0: you're listening to an Anna's Owl Ministries podcast. All right, everybody.
1: It is that time again. We are back at the SG Drive-In and now playing Batman Returns. Yeah. This is one of the... These are the things that I love to be able to talk about ridiculous movies like this, to be able to have an outlet and a platform to be able to talk to. So if you are tuning in and you are finding us for the first time, hello, you have Reach, the SG, Drive-In, a series that we have been doing throughout the summer. We are your priest to the geeks. I am Joe, one of your hosts, and I am joined by... An interesting companion for this particular wild ride, one of the quintessential Marvel guys out of the group, <laughs> Joshua himself. What's up, buddy?
0: Hey, how's it going, man? I was trying to figure out—I I very seldom go a day where I'm not wearing something with Captain America logos on it. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> we're recording two different episodes about DC properties, and I was like, you know, I wonder, where where's my uh, Captain America thing? Usually it would be socks today because I have a lot of Captain America socks. But it's summer, so I'm not wearing socks right now. So, appropriately, this is the one day I'm not wearing anything Marvel.
1: That's funny. I definitely expected you to be like, appropriately, (laughs) today I am decked out
0: (laughs) in Marvel. Oh, man. If it would have been yesterday, I had my hat, my socks, and my Captain America shirt on. Yeah. Yeah, So, (laughs) that would have been the day.
1: (laughs) So, we are um, talking about the second movie and in this uh, continuity of Batman movies, the second one done by Tim Burton and a big reason why people uh, are very divisive about this era of Batman movies. (laughs) So I'll start. I was actually, this was one of the later movies that I saw. I was in my teens when I saw this for the first time. So I started with um, Batman and Robin and I saw those ones first and then went back and saw Batman 89 and then saw this one. And I remember hearing, I thought I had seen all of them. Um, And then I remember hearing people talking about Danny DeVito in a penguin getup. And I'm like, what is this movie? And you know, I'll I'll save I'll, I'll save my my uh opinions about Danny DeVito in a penguin suit. But so so I I was like I said uh, probably probably early teens the first time that I rented this and saw this. How about yourself? What's your history with this?
0: Oh man. So mine's actually oddly similar. Um the same series of the Batman and Robin I started on. I couldn't tell you which one I saw first. But I know that I owned a copy of Batman and Robin because as a child, I loved that film for a very different reason than why I love it now. I just thought Mr. Freeze was cool. And now I watch that movie and I'm like, this is the most dad joke, just hilarious. Like, if you told me it was made to be a parody, I would believe you. Yeah. And that's almost how I treat it. Like, I watch it like it's a parody and I have a great time. Right. (laughs) And then I, I remember, I think it was around the time that The Dark Knight came out. Because everyone's building up Heath Ledger's, whether he's going to be good or bad and so divisive before the movie comes out. And I'm like, there's no way he's ever going to measure up to uh, Jack Nichols that Mark Hamill's my Joker because, you know, cartoons. But for talking live action, Jack's the guy. He is the best. And I just remember actually actively looking up why there wasn't a sequel to that. And that's how I found this movie, because there was a sequel that I had no idea existed. And then I watched it and I didn't like it then. Right. Um, actually, this last time I enjoyed it a little bit more and I'll get into why here in a minute. But yeah, that's that's how I got introduced to this film. <laughs> I didn't that's know it funny. existed. That's funny. Yeah,
1: yeah. I so, so one of the beautiful things for me about Batman's history in live action in particular is it is probably m- maybe short of soups. The, the, the Boy Scout may be <laughs> in this same conversation, but I think that tonally speaking between the different iterations of live action Batman, it is probably the most like endeavoring into comics. Now, let me explain. <laughs> when you have whole runs, right, you can't expect the next guy to pick up where the last guy Like this, the the new writer could come in and say, Okay, I want this character to not be here. I want to showcase this character. Okay, that character died in the last run. run. I want that character. And so we're going to go ahead and bring that character back. And by the end, the next writer could have (laughs) undone everything that the previous writer did. And so when you look at Batman, in live action, in cinema, and, I'm, I, and I say live action specifically because I am including 66 in this. And mm-hmm. and honestly, in a lot of regards, I'm also um, including BTAS in this conversation. Now, I'm sure that you could probably extrapolate this out to like The Batman or Batman Brave and the Bold, those later cartoons. I had yeah. by that point had kind of grown out of it. And so those weren't necessarily my jam. Uh my Batman is is pretty solidly BTAS. So that's kind of gonna be where I where I lean. But each one of these different iterations are so tonally different in different ways, and they pick up on nuances left behind by other iterations mm-hmm. of the character that this feels, even if I don't necessarily like every single solitary thing about every single iteration, you look at, for all of you comic <laughs> fans out there, look at Tom King's run that lasted a couple of years. There are some people, shout out to you, Pastor Will, who <laughs> love that or or at least are more forgiving of that run. I personally... I can't stand that run for a variety of reasons. I I, I love the the Batman Rebirth iteration, but that <laughs> that whole that whole run to me is a mess. And so, but but there's still there's something for everybody, and that's what I think the power of these iterations of Batman
0: really is. Yeah, I um I think a lot of what you're saying could also apply to the uh, the Spider Man. Spider-Man yeah. movies and shows. Um, also, 90s animated series was the best of it as well. Um, yes. If we're going to include the animated series, that's just, you know, facts. Um, as the kids say, for me, I loved Batman the animated series. I loved it. But I didn't leave the animated stuff until after Batman Beyond. Because everything else I tried to watch after that just didn't compare. I was like Batman right. Beyond was just beyond Everything else they did. You had Batman Animated series, Batman Beyond, and everything else was, man, what if we could do that again? Give up, guys. Um, right. <laughs> um that being said, if they make a live-action Batman Beyond, that would be sick. That would I be awesome. yeah, I I don't know. I, I found it really interesting. So when we're getting about this movie specifically, Batman Returns, what actually made it better this last time I watched it was I was trying to do some research about this because I was thinking maybe I'll remember it well enough I don't have to watch it again. The plot for this movie is so absurd that, let me just tell you guys, that's, that's not possible. You're not going to look up the plot and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Not going to happen. It is an absurd movie. But I remember one of the critiques I read was that um, Tim Burton never read a comic book. And he made fun of people who read a comic I like, I'm not going to do that. Going in with that, though, and realizing, hey, this is a Tim Burton movie, not necessarily a comic book movie. As a Tim Burton movie? Wow, that was awesome. It was very, very Tim Burton. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like uh when when you take a sip of tea and you think it's coke, it's awful. But when you go in and you know that it's tea, it's like, oh yeah, this is good. Yes. So yeah.
1: hold hold on hold on to your horses, guys, because we are um we are going to for the more times than we I'm sure either one of us thought was going to be a thing, are actually <laughs> going to be on the same page. <laughs> this movie like you when you start the conversation guys at Danny DeVito in a penguin suit <laughs> uh, come on like that's that's, <laughs> the, that's where Hilarious. we're going here guys <laughs> and so yes it is absolutely absurd in so many respects however for me i had the added benefit so of for 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 people of my particular vintage We the one of the first movies that really hit the younger zeitgeist in a major way was Nightmare Before Christmas and that I saw before 89 that I saw before this movie. And so knowing I had already known who Tim Burton was before this movie. And so when I went into this, I went into this excited. I'm like, okay, so a superhero movie. Done by Tim Burton. Sign me up. Shut up and take my money. Yes, please, in a double portion on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like that to me, <laughs> absolutely. And so so going into this movie, like I had to, I, I told I told my wife when we were going through all of the live action stuff in preparation for the Batman, I warned her. <laughs> go into this as a Tim Burton flick. First mm-hmm. and foremost, yep. you got to remember that this is a movie made by Tim Burton. And that really did improve her experience because yeah. the, the the beauty is in all of those shots and all of that c- cinematography and the way that he brings everything off the page in a stylized, gothic kind of way mm-hmm. that is only... It's only Tim Burton. Like it yeah. is, you go you go into a Tim Burton flick, and if you're going in expecting The Godfather and everybody's going to be <laughs> top notch actors and all of that kind of stuff, yeah, you're 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 going to be disappointed. But if you go in mm. expecting a Tim Burton flick, I I argue that these two movies are yeah. some of the very best to be considered within Tim Burton's filmography. These are just so breathtakingly stunning in a way that, for me anyway, I appreciate a lived-in world that feels like it has weight and stakes and all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that, it makes up for a lot of the ridiculous absurdity that is all of the periphery stuff.
0: Yeah, you talk about a lived-in world that's like one of your big things or like Gotham being a character. He, he did it here. Not necessarily the way that I would think as a comic book reader, but, man, he did it. And I, I would say if you watched, like, um, like like you said, Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, Corpse Bride, yep. Edward Scissorhands, and then watched this, it would fit in probably a lot better than if you just sat down and watched all the Batman movies together. Like, yes. oh, yeah, okay. And I don't know. Part of what he did, though, what I thought was fascinating, I, I for one, really like Penguin, not necessarily in this, but in general. Like uh, in, in right. Gotham, the Penguin, uh, Robin Lord Taylor plays Penguin there. The whole backstory, everything that they do with the character in that show, I loved it. I thought it was really cool. In this, penguin is almost—he's the distraction, which Danny DeVito is great at. Like, like just being, hey, you're gonna distract. We're gonna—we just need an antagonist to move the story along. That's really all you are um, for the antagonist. Tim Burton said, "Hey, what if Willy Wonka, instead of candy, did penguins, and we cast Danny DeVito?" That's basically what happened here. Um, instead no. of umbleumbas, you have penguins, and instead of candy, you have just weird, unnecessarily bird-related traps. Um, yeah,
1: and but, the black gunk coming out of the mouth—that is, yeah,
0: yeah, a of choice. course, naturally. <laughs> but but I feel like the real story in this one is how he built Catwoman and Batman's relationship. In this, I thought that was what was really the driving force for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, um you know so so this point can be can be made for a lot of different aspects of talking about this movie so now's a good time to bring it up i think one of the drawbacks of looking at this through hindsight is we mm-hmm. live in a post mcu world where it's every everything is stylized and everything is one interconnected universe and and now all of these different Iterations have come before, so that way now there's far less of an excuse to have an abomination of a superhero flick because <laughs> it's the the groundwork has kind of been paved. It's a lot of the same reasons why I look back at movies like X Men or Tobey Maguire's Spider Man and all of that kind of stuff. Dude, these movies did not have the template. They did not have the formula to go off of. And there's something special about the avant-garde nature of some of this stuff that's, that, that, that's made. Same thing with this, right? It, you, we have to put it into context of what it had to work with. All Michelle Pfeiffer's character ha- that had to work with was the comic book lineage, which for a great long time... <laughs> was nothing like what we know of Selena Kyle now mm-hmm. right it was yeah. not this half love interest sort of anti-hero sometimes the villain sort of thing that that she's been turned into and 66 and yeah. and so to be for 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 Michelle Pfeiffer to be to be able to pull out the performance that she did is it problematic in points yes uh-huh. This is one of of those things that you need to, in order to really appreciate a movie like this, you have to be able to reconcile the fact that this was made in a different era. And so Mm -hmm. some things are still going to be presented as they were in like the 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah, women were portrayed in a much different way at this point in time. I'm not justifying it, but if you are going to watch some of this older media, you just need to accept that that's the reality. And so I think almost despite itself in certain regards, Michelle Pfeiffer was able to put forward almost a more grounded Mm -hmm. take on a character than so many of the people that she was playing against. When everything is camp, with the with the volume turned up to eleven, and and her camp factor is maybe only a six, that yeah. that difference really does matter,
0: you know. Yeah, it's pretty striking. I I'll, I'll say I don't like Michael Keaton. I don't think he's a great actor. I don't love him as Batman per se. I know that might be blasphemy to some people, but for me, when I watched the uh, the first one. It's Jack Nicholson as the Joker and Tim Burton's Gotham. That makes the whole movie for me. Whoever you put in Batman doesn't almost doesn't matter because they're carrying the film. For this one, you still have Tim Burton's Gotham, but I I really feel like Fiverr completely carries the film for me. I'm like, I am completely here. I even I wonder, I'm not sure, but I wonder how much groundbreaking she did that actually even impacted how she's portrayed in the comics. Because a lot of that, yeah. like you said, really wasn't seen until you see it here, where her character was really nuanced, actually. And yeah. also, you're talking about the age. I just have to throw out there: I was really surprised that this came out on my birth year because I could have swore that Jack Nicholson Batman was like forever ago. And I'm like, man, that that's was just funny. that was just 89, really. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, and that's and that's a good point because when you again, we live in a in a now uh, to to turn to the DC side. We live in a post-dark night world. I'm gonna be honest with you guys, and this may this may may be my hot take of the episode. I really think we've gone a great distance in taking ourselves too seriously as Batman fans, guys. I really do. <laughs> I think we've been so bound and determined to make gritty realized I am Batman. Like that all of that kind of stuff, like I, I uh, okay. It's a dude that dresses up in a bat suit, playing against people who dress up in costumes and and have superpowers. Guys, like let's 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 be. And I know, I know, I know. I'm the guy that that panned uh, uh, Love and Thunder for for be, for not being serious enough. There is a nuanced middle ground, mm-hmm. but I think for when when you look at this this era of characters. From Jack Nicholson, who did Jack Nicholson have to, uh, have to inspire himself from? Cesar Romero. Who did Michael Keaton have to, uh, have to inspire himself from? Adam West. Who did Michelle <laughs> Pfeiffer have? I don't know her name off the top of my head. The, the actress that played, uh, that, that played uh, uh, Catwoman in 66. And so if you go into this and shuffle the deck a little bit and say, okay here's the thesis statement for these two movies. What if Tim Burton remade Batman 66 and then watch those movies? Yeah. Then a whole lot more, I really do believe, becomes a
0: whole lot more palatable. Here's here's what I'll throw out there. I don't think you get these more serious Batmans without Tim Burton. I don't think there's a way to make it happen, specifically because you're talking about the campy, almost comedy Adam West Batman, which I love that too, How do you bridge that with the serious dark tone? Tell me who else can pull off campy and dark and twisted at the same time, the way Tim Burton does literally no one, no one can pull that off in the same way.
1: No. And, and you look at these, the one thing that I will give to Michael Keaton is he got the more cerebral side of Bruce Wayne, like that more, Mm -hmm. you look at him and you see a man that has, like behind those eyes, he's seen mm-hmm. some things, right? Yeah. And that to me, I, I, I appreciate so much about the Tim Burton era of these movies, because for those of you that don't know, Tim, Tim Burton made two of them. Then Joel Schumacher made two of them. Yeah. And then, yeah, that, so, so those, those four, but they're all in the same uh, yeah. universe. They're all the same continuity, just different actors. And so for the Tim Burton era of them, I can appreciate the fact that they they really did of breaking the paradigm. And if you mm-hmm. go back and look at like Siskel and Ebert were two of the guys that that walked so that way guys like us, um that that want to crack open a mic and give way mm-hmm. in up with our two cents on these movies, those guys walked so that way we could run. So if you look at at those guys and a lot of what they were saying, a lot of the popular opinion was. What, what are you doing? Like, this is not, this is not Batman. And, and honestly, I think, I think it's funny that we can look back and say that the camp factor is still there in these movies, because in 89, there was a lot of the, a lot of the same things that were being said at the time, or a lot of the same things that we said about Batman Begins, that mm-hmm. it was this more serious grittier take on something that was more ridiculous and yeah. to and to, to your to the credit of what you said it's almost like somebody gradually turned the volume up along the way yes mm-hmm. we have to talk about the fact that later on in this series it does basically turn into a 2 hour long toy commercial <laughs> okay but yeah even Not still good it was still pr- bridging that gap and pushing forward from that more you know um campy lighthearted like you said almost comedy take of batman this is exactly what the comics are this is guys dressed up ridiculous- ridiculously ridiculously <laughs> and somebody who's who's disfigured somebody who is who who has these these genetic defects that that are mm-hmm. that's exactly what the comic book uh iteration is. This guy is part penguin, like looks like a penguin. <laughs> and so like being able to Oh it's funny. I, I and I, I'm I'm with you that I really think that, that as far as the best depictions of this character, I think the only person that you could even argue is belongs in even a relative conversation is the guy from Gotham Yeah. when it wasn't until they started going down the road of baby bats that I tuned out from that, from that series. The second that you had baby Batman, no nah, done. Like you, you've, you've missed me.
0: Actually, ironically, this will bring us back to this film. I think I stopped when they introduced Catwoman in that series. And I was yeah. like, I just don't, or they didn't introduce, she was around for a while, but it was just, once her character became more prevalent, I did not like how they handled her there. Whereas, Going back to Batman Returns with Michelle Pfeiffer, I love what they did with that. We have this kind of campy, kind of weird, dark, twisty, Tim Burton world. And in the middle of it, you have this kind of poetic story. Two people who don't know each other's alter ego kind of falling for each other. Um, and, you know, she plays both sides. She is, you know, what we now think of as Catwoman. And uh, to me, this this is what it made me think of. Um, the song Hallelujah which so many people get completely incorrect about what that song is about of um where the song goes like the first verse is about how david fell in love and love was kind of what ruined him love or lust or whatever and then samson and that ruined him and then now it's me and i'm in an abusive relationship the guy singing and you know relationships ruined me and hey aren't isn't love bad and that's sort of what this made me think of is Batman's man's biggest like bruce wayne's biggest fault here is her <laughs> If it was just Batman versus that version of Penguin, Penguin is pathetic. I feel like Batman would not have really had a problem. but He was distracted by personal things going on in his life that kind of took away his focus, which I guess gets to our, our deeper stuff when you really think about it is that's also prevalent in the Bible. It doesn't say relationships are bad, but there are parts of where Paul is like, hey, if you can remain single, do that. Yeah. Because it is a distraction. It can be your downfall. And I think we kind of see that in this movie. She's not, you know, just straight up his downfall, but does distract him, does cause problems for bats that wouldn't exist otherwise.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think if we're being honest, we can see how when you struggle with something like identity, being able to be in a relationship is almost, almost entirely doomed. You know what I mean? This whole idea of being in a relationship is pretty much not, not a thing, right? Or, or at least being able to be in a functioning relationship. And that's absolutely something that we see in spades in the Bible when, we t- when you talk about navigating the waters of what it means to have your identity intact and how that informs everything going on from that you know what I mean? As Christian men, we are, as followers of Jesus, the Bible is very, very specific. Love God, love your wife. The relationship Mm -hmm. with God informs the relationship with your wife. And that is something that we see played out in a sense here where if, if you don't understand who you are, you can't actually love another person to the fullest extent and you're always going to be holding a piece of yourself back, and if that if that's the case in a relationship, that relationship's not going to work. You can't hold a piece of your back yourself back and be able to have a full and complete relationship.
0: Which is exactly what we see in this movie, and it's um this is not good exegesis, mind you. But I did have someone tell me once um, of that the scripture that says "love others like you love yourself." In that is implied that you love yourself. And for me, even though maybe that's not correct interpretation, that was still challenging. And I think there is a truth there that you have to kind of understand your own identity and your own relationship with God if you're going to have a healthy horizontal relationship with anybody, whether it be, you know, a man or a woman in the, that kind of way, a romantic way, or whether it be just having friends. You yeah. cannot have good friendships if you are struggling with your identity. If you don't understand you and God's relationship, you can't have church unity with other brothers and sisters. I mean, you have to get that part right. Maybe not first, but simultaneously even, I don't know, but it it does take both. You can't just say I'm going to love others and forget myself. I hate myself, but I love others. Well, you know what? God said you were made in his image. You don't get that option. Right. Yeah.
1: The other thing that I, that I find about this to tie it into the deeper stuff, you know, I cannot jump off of this conversation without talking about alfred <laughs> yeah alfred is the best through line through all of these movies hands down 100 alfred is the constant through mm-hmm. and even comics
0: alfred's yeah. just great period Always.
1: yeah that's part of the reason why i don't like tom king's run that's that has a huge part to do with it. I understand it wasn't the first time that a, that a creator did it. I understand that, but the, Batman's always better with Alfred. Just we need to stop with that. Find other ways to tell a compelling story. Batman's always better with Alfred mm, yep. because that's the line that that roots that character into asking for help and looking for a support system. Yes, I understand that the argument then goes to Dick Grayson and all of those kinds of things. (laughs) But especially in a world where the rest of the Bat family isn't a thing, at least not yet in these movies, having Alfred really grounds the character and reminds us that we need to, each one of us has a crusade. Each one of us has a thing that we get passionate Mm -hmm. about. Each one of us feels like we have a mission, all of those kinds of things. And to be able to have somebody who can see at an aerial view, what's going on is very invaluable.
0: Yeah. And I think he wouldn't care. I'm going to talk about TJ. I, when I started my other podcast, the whole church podcast, it was just me interviewing people. And he happened to be there because we were just hanging out a lot of the time. And Him supporting me and then him saying, actually, I think I can help you with staying on track. I think I can help you with this to the point that he kept doing it until, you know, now we're partners in this thing. And I feel like having that kind of person who can just support you, be by your side is absolutely invaluable, not just to Batman, but like you were saying, everybody has some kind of crusade and it is important to surround yourself with people who will support you like that and will make your mission, their mission, right? that want to partner with you like that. Um, and, and, you know, that even that gets back to the identity thing of understanding what is your mission, what is your crusade, all of that stuff. And, I don't know, having those people to support you are invaluable. And and I think that's actually an interesting contrast when we're looking at these support characters that make Batman who he is, make him able to do this, as opposed to characters like um, like Selina, who's kind of distracting and pulling them away from it. So, what what's fun is that there's two moments in the movie that I thought was really powerful along these lines. One is they're in, like, a masquerade or something, everybody but Bruce and Selina's dressed up and it's because them as themselves is their mask that's sort of kind of the hint of the movie it's like okay that, that was a really cool mo- moment to me but then the end who was Batman with in the end you know Selina ran off he tried to find her he thought he saw her silhouette and ends up just being a cat Alfred's there Selina's gone and I think you'll find that 10 out of 10 times you got to know who's in your corner you got to know your Alfred's from your Selina's <laughs> And yes, that's like one of those cheesy uh, youth pastor kind of uh, examples, but I think it stands true. Maybe, maybe this time it's okay.
1: Yeah, that's, and, and that's not every single person that comes across is going to be a helpful person. Every single person Mm -hmm. who comes across your path is going to um, steer you in the right direction. And it, it is, it is very key. To knowing who has the best of intentions for you and does not yeah
0: I um to to speak against Batman and Disney for a second, yeah, you yeah, those are two things that don't get to go together very often. This follow you heart nonsense is stupid. you see what happened to Batman uh, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all else, and I will stand by that every single time when someone's like okay, but I i don't it doesn't matter't no, I don't care. Don't care if you love them. I don't care if it feels right. How can something feel so? It just you know jumping off a building felt right to some people. I yeah. can tell you what happened, but uh, that might not make this show kid friendly anymore.
1: Right? Exactly. Exactly. That's when when we follow our own inklings, our own direction. It it doesn't. It it's not. It doesn't ultimately benefit us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It feels good in the moment, and I promise you, in that moment every single bit of you is going to want to argue with me but <laughs> mm-hmm. the reality is 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 extrapolate that out extrapolate out what 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 the all of the side effects are all of the issues are and eventually you get to the idea that the freedom the actual freedom is not following yourself with following Christ. And unfortunately for people that there are, there is absolutely a contingent of people. And I would not be surprised if some of you listening fall into this category that you would absolutely call nonsense on what I just said. And unfortunately a, a, a lot of the time <laughs> that is because when that is actually presented from the pulpit, it's, it's malformed at best. You know yeah. what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There is an extent where I do feel as though if you're close to God and you're letting him mold your heart, your heart's going to want the right things. But I don't think you should trust your heart first. If, you know, going back to my my building jump off thing, I'm willing to bet it's a lot of fun on the way down. It's probably exhilarating. It's probably a thrill. But I also think there's this thing that the Bible builds up called wisdom. And wisdom says, use a bungee cord. Bungee jump. Don't just jump. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So a couple of fun facts before we bring this thing in for a close. This movie was almost entirely different than what it actually was. Tim Burton actually was not in any way, shape, or form uh, interested in doing a sequel at this time. He, he was only interested in doing one-offs. And so after this, he went off and directed, or after 89, um, he went off and directed Edward Scissorhands. And they brought in Sam, uh, Sam Ham. I think his name is um who was the original screenwriter for this movie and to to direct and um it, it was it was not working out and Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers decided to go forward it wasn't working out and eventually Tim Burton came in and was like okay I'll do it and he literally replaced like everybody on the on the <laughs> cast. One of the only people that that or one of the only couple of people that stuck around were Keaton and DeVito. Um, there was they were they were really two of the only people. Michelle Pfeiffer was not the original Catwoman.
0: Um, Way to go, yeah. Burton! <laughs> that was a good. Good call. Good call.
1: Yeah, and Man. the the story wasn't originally going to be this, and so it would have been entirely different. But in my opinion, these toys can only be played with by Tim Burton, and unfortunately, yeah. with somebody as eccentric as he is. He's, he's gonna, he's gonna lose interest. And then Warner brothers, we've been as DC fans for time of memoriam, we've been wondering whether or not Warner brothers is actually allergic to making money. They've always made dumb decisions for, for history. They have done that. And so they didn't want Tim Burton to come back and do another one. Um, and so that's what, yeah, and that's what ended ended up with Joel Schumacher as as the next director at the helm, and you know recasting Batman and all of that kind of stuff because Keaton did not want anybody <laughs> other than Tim Burton at that point.
0: Yeah, I think you might have been right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, if uh, are, are you if you're ready to wrap up, I have. I have a fun theater question. We've been doing these a lot at the at the end of these drive-in episodes, asking theater questions. Are you are you good? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. I uh, recently went to the theater with my family and was reminded – I think this is just uh, fundamentally true, that every family has someone who talks during the movie, who just kind of doesn't get the theater experience. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk through the whole thing. They want food. They get up and down all the time. And I'm like, hey – I love you, but maybe maybe you're not who I want to go to the theater with. And for me, mine is my brother. I love my brother, but he will ask questions the entire time. Of, Why do you think he did that? And I'm like, man, it's a movie I've seen just as much as you have. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, is there in your life? Is there like one person, you know, that when you go to the theater, they're going to talk the whole time?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Se- Second, Josh has has a way of doing that sometimes. Well, um that's funny. yeah. He, uh, that's that's the person that jumps right out to me. Um I remember in college there was a group of us uh we used to I, I took a, a film and TV class in college and uh the dire- or the um the uh professor was a director and was a part of the Academy for the Academy Awards and all of this stuff. And yes. so, but, but he was kind of like one of the guys. And so there was a group of us that would all hang out and we would go to the movies and all of that kind of stuff. One of the guys that would go with us, Chris, he would just every time he would bust jokes the entire time he'd be talking he'd be all this kind of stuff and it it eventually turned into a joke but at first we were like dude you don't shut up you're not coming with us anymore to the movies this is ridiculous
0: yeah now i am that guy for some movies there are some specific movies that i'm like i just for the sake of everyone i can't watch this with you like whenever black panther wakanda forever comes out I know enough about Namor and I like the character enough that I'm like, I, I can't go watch that with people because I am going to talk to myself. I'm like, why, why would you do that? I like, yeah. that. we're just going to be talking. I'm like, okay, but Namor wouldn't, <laughs> and it's like there's going to be the whole movie. And I know that. So right. I save people, uh, that pain and watch it myself first. That's and then if other people and watch it, I'll watch it with them after.
1: All right. So that's a wrap for this episode of the SG Drive-in. If you have if you've listened to this and you're like, "Man, where was I on the rest of these?" or "Man, I want to hear more from these guys." You can head on over to systematicgeekology.org and you can find our full backlog of episodes there as well as if you navigate over to the host tab, you can learn more about our illustrious panel of hosts over there and all of the ludicrous amount of side projects <laughs> that we are all involved with. And if after all of that, you just feel compelled to hear more from us and to help us keep the lights on, you can head on over to patreon.com slash systematic geekology and toss a couple of bucks in the kitty. We have... A whole bunch of bonus material over there as a thank you for helping us out. And with that, I want you guys all to remember one thing. We are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests.
0: This was an Anazal Ministries Podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazile Ministries Podcast Network.